Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. If you join me in prayer, Lord God, we thank you for this day. And Lord, there's so much going on in the world today. We need your peace. We need to pour out your peace upon us. Lord God, we need to walk in peace. We need to walk in trust and confidence. And as we're praying for peace, Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the, the peace of, of what's going on over there in the Middle East. We know that uh, Israel is your people and, and you love them. And, and so, Father, we pray not only for the people in Israel, but, the, but everyone over there involved in that conflict. And we just pray your peace. Your word says that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so every week when we meet on Wednesdays, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and throughout the week. And so, Lord God, we pray for peace there and we pray for peace over here in, in America. We pray for peace in our hearts and lives. And Lord God, I, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity this morning, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And we pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I, had, I had never heard that song that we sang uh, at the end before, but what a perfect song. And uh, today's message is God's peace. <laughs> so uh, uh, I want to I look at the definition. Webster's definition of peace is a state of quiet or tranquility, Freedom from disturbance or agitation, calm, exemption of war with public en enemies, contentment, harmony, to become quiet or to be silent. And there's a couple of different words in the Bible. Uh, there's a, a word for peace in the Old Testament. It's shalom, and it means soundness, health, uh, can, uh, si can signify prosperity. It, uh, in general, it, it means well-being. And so many times uh, that will be used in a, a friendly greeting, shalom is greeting, or also in a farewell. Um, so it can, what it can really mean is, is it well with you, or peace to you, or something of that nature. And then there's another word for peace in the New Testament, it's, it's called arania, or irani. Irani, I think. I'm not real good at my Greek and stuff, I'm still working on that. Uh, but Jesus said, peace be to you and uh, go in peace, things of that nature. So there's a couple of different words there. Jesus had peace even in the midst of the storms. We can too. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The Sea of Galilee is actually a lake. It's about uh, 480 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by hills. And due to the topography and uh, the, the uh, layout of the land, it can, there can be storms that can come upon that lake on the Sea of Galilee, uh, violent storms pretty rapidly. And uh, so let, let's look at uh, Jesus calming the storm. This can be found in Matthew 8, 23 through 27, Luke 22 through 25, and also what we're going to look at today is Mark 4, 35 through 41. And also, if, if you don't know this or you don't have the Version app on your phone, you can go to the Version app and you can find Life Fellowship there, and it will have all the, all the scriptures 
and all the slides in that uh, app. So make sure uh, get with one of these guys and they can help you get there. Al knows where it's at. Maybe he can help you as well. But uh, it's real helpful. So you can go back and look at the scriptures throughout the week as you're doing study. The other thing I wanted to say, I probably threw off the tech arts team. They probably have a scripture up there already. No. Uh, <laughs> I do that. I'll start, you know, they'll say, Pastor, you do that. You'll start to talk about a scripture and then you'll back off. And, and we're putting the slides up and down. They're so good. Give them a hand. Those guys are awesome. I was, I was talking with Chantel last week, and, and uh, she puts the slides in every week. And, uh, uh, you know, I was telling her what I'd be teaching on today, and she said, you know what we're teaching in children's ministry? I said, no. She said the same thing. Isn't that amazing how God works it out? So you guys can have some, uh, some study time with your children because they'll be studying the same thing that uh, we're looking at today. So I, th- I think that's really cool when the Lord does those kinds of things. So let's go to Mark 4, 35-41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. And I think this is the only, um, in in Mark here, is the only uh, uh, reference of that. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were beating into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. (laughs) <laughs> this is kind of interesting to me because he's asleep. And these storm, this storm is, you know, water's crashing into the, the boat. And, and I think that it, it's just a, a, a couple of things I thought about. It's a reminder of Jesus was always at peace. <laughs> and the other thing that, that I thought about was I think it speaks to his humanity. He was fully God and fully man, but he was tired. And, and I know that whenever you're ministering, and Jesus was ministering a lot, it takes a lot out of you. Uh, a lot of times after you've, after you've poured out, you're just tired. And so I, I think this is a really cool story here. But he was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? (laughs) And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. And I, I wondered what the people that were in the other boats were thinking if they were still following along, if they were out on the, on the Sea of Galilee as well. They probably like, what happened here? And I'm thinking, this is just my story, when they got to the other side, they were like, Did, what was going on, that storm? And then all of a sudden it stopped. And they had the opportunity to say, well, Jesus, calm the storm. We don't know all the background of everything going on there. But it's amazing that when, whenever Jesus would do things like that, like this, it was for the disciples or the people that were watching. It was for other people. And it's for us as well. What can we get from this story? What can we get from this account of Jesus calming the storm? Uh, so then he asked the disciples, he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Mark uh, 4.41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. They said, who is this man? They asked each other. 
Even the wind and waves obey Him. And so I think that Jesus is addressing a couple of things with them here. He's one, first He's addressing their fear. And, and He's saying, why are you afraid? Secondly, He's addressing their faith. He's saying, do you still have no faith? Because they still did not understand that Jesus is God. They're, they're saying, who is this man? And they still didn't grasp the fullness of God, of Jesus being God. And I think that that speaks today to us. Do we, do we live in fear? Why are we afraid? Do we still have no faith? Do we still not know who this man Jesus is? Do we still not know that He is God? And that we can call upon Him? And that we don't have to live in fear? And so as we go through life and as we go through challenges, God is building our faith. He's building our trust in Him. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear and, tim- and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. That's what God has given to us. So why are we going to shrink back into fear? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. And it's our favorite Greek power word, dunamis, meaning supernatural power, miraculous power. It's where we get our word dynamite from. Dynamite power that He's given to us. That we don't have to live in fear. We're no longer slaves. We sang about it this morning. What a great set. We're no longer uh, slaves to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. So we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Later on, after this event, the disciples were unable to cast out a demon from a boy. And in Matthew 17, 20, he tell, Jesus tells the disciples, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Because nothing is impossible with God. Are you facing some mountains today? Back to Mark. Let's go back to Mark 4.39. When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And this Greek word for silence means hush or to be quiet. And it's interesting because it's the same word that Jesus uses in Mark 1.25 when He's having this dialogue with this demon-possessed man. And it translates there as be quiet. Here in, in the NLT it says silence. But it means be quiet, hush. And He, t- he says the same thing to the demon-possessed man in Mark 1. It's a strong command. Silence! Be still! The same account in Matthew and Luke say he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, be still. Another, another definition of it is mean, means to muzzle. Muzzle. I remember uh, a few weeks back after life group at the Florces, uh, little Tony came up and he was just rattling on. He was just talking, talking, talking. And Joanne looked at me and she just says this. Put it over his mouth like, it's enough. <laughs> and it was so funny because he was just going on and, and, and I'm like trying to understand what he's saying and Joan's just like, 
Like, that's enough. <laughs> and so I, I kind of get that picture with, with Jesus, except it was more authoritative. He's like, silence! Be still. That's enough. I'm going to muzzle this thing. I'm speaking authority over this thing. And, and so let, let's look at Mark 4.39. continues, suddenly, suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. The real problem was not the waves. Although we would think that's the problem, right? The waves are coming into the boat. The real problem was the wind. Creating and driving the waves. We tend to look at the symptoms of our problems. We tend to look at the waves that are coming in and, and not looking at the problem, the root, of, root cause of the problem. Jesus addressed these issues the, that created the symptoms, the wind, but he also addresses the, the results or, or the, the results of the wind were the waves too. He addressed both of those things. He says, wind, be still. Waves, stop. So he addressed both of those. And many of our problems are the results of us refusing to allow Jesus to deal with the winds and the storms in our life. We refuse to allow him to deal with those things that create and drive the storms. Covering up our symptoms will only delay our healing. Jesus wants to get down to the heart of the matter so that we can live this life of peace. Our relationship with the Lord leads us to repentance, which leads us to restoration, which can lead us into peace. I think the, the church has forgotten about repentance. Sometimes we need to get down on our knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me. We need to repent. And then through that repentance can come the restoration. I know you know what this is like when we disobey and we, and we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've disobeyed or that I've done something that's that, that I know is, is not right. And then we begin to, to have that restoration come back. We don't lose our salvation, but there's a gap that happens when we do those kinds of things. And the Lord wants us to remain connected to Him permanently and minimize those wild swings in our lives that we used to have. And they, they begin to minimize and we begin to just have a, a continual connection with Him. Even when we stumble and fall, we can go back and say, Lord, I'm, I repent. I'm sorry. Because I don't want to cause damage between our relationship. I don't want to cause damage between my family's relationship. I don't want to damage my, myself, my life. Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, through, uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 14, I'm not going to go there, but Paul is, is, talks about when we are spiritually mature, we will no longer be tossed about by every wind of new teaching. We will be solid in our faith. We will know and speak the truth in love. So this, uh, you know, when, when you see people that are vacillating, there's a level of immaturity there that's happening where they haven't grasped some things or they there's still healing that needs to take place in our lives. And that's for all of us. I mean, all of us need some healing. 
And if you don't believe you do, just ask your, your spouse. They'll help you with that. But we all are a work in progress. But God is working in our hearts and lives. But He desires that we come into spiritual maturity. That we shouldn't be doing some of the same things that we used to do. And, and we've talked about this so many times. That our salvation is not performance-based. It's grace-based. But listen, if we're saved... If we've been saved, some of those things we shouldn't be doing anymore. Because uh, James says, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. And so there's a change that happens in our heart and in our lives as we yield to the Lord. And it's an ongoing process the rest of our life. And and, and what we'll find is that God is continuing to do this, this work in our hearts and lives as we yield to Him, when we yield to Him. My first point this morning is through Christ we have peace with God. Now I've got three points this morning and they're going to kind of sound the same, but they're very different. If you you look at at the points, they are different. The first point is through Christ we have peace with God. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is writing and he says we are made right with God through our faith in Him because of the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ. We're made right with God. We're brought into right standing with with God when we receive Him because of what Jesus did in paying for all of our sin, paying the ransom, dying on the cross, and resurrecting. So let's look, um, you know, right after that in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, understanding what Christ has done, right? That He died for our sins and that we uh, have salvation through Him. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, right? Because it takes faith to believe what God has done. We believe in faith. We have peace. This is a result of being made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Jesus gives peace. Jesus demonstrated peace. And we can have peace through our personal, intimate relationship with Him. It's a choice that we make. His desire is to walk through the storms of life with us. Not leave us stranded. Because of having an authentic relationship with Him, we experience provision in our lives. We know that He exists and He loves us. We choose to obey His commandments because it pleases Him and it's in our best interest. And we can walk in the peace of God because, you know, He's in the boat with us. When the storms come, He's in the boat with us. Hey, Jesus, I'm getting a little nervous here. But you notice Jesus wasn't nervous. He was asleep. And then He wakes up and He says, silence, be still. So my first point is through Christ we have peace with God. My second point is through Christ we can experience the peace of God. So we have peace with Him. But my second point is we can have peace through Christ. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul's writing to the early church. He says, don't worry about anything. How many of you worry? Do you worry about stuff? Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. Don't worry. If you're going to do something, if you're going to use brain cells, if you're going to use energy, then pray. 
Stop worrying about it. Worry is really a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. Well, Lord God, there's this mountain there. I don't, I don't know. It's pretty big. I don't know if you can handle it. Well, I know this. I know we probably can't handle it. But we can go to the one who says, if you only had faith. If you only had a little bit of faith. And I'm not saying that we never have any challenges. And I'm not saying that all, all our prayers are answered in the way that we want them to be answered in. But I'm saying that we can walk in faith and we can trust Him. I mean, if we trust Him, if you don't get the answer you want, what does that do? Does that mean you don't trust Him anymore? Oh, well, I didn't get the answer I wanted, so I don't trust God anymore. No, we need to trust Him. Because His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are far beyond our ways. <laughs> and that's a good thing for us, because some of us, well, okay, never mind. <laughs> So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He goes on to write, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Tell Him what you need. Come on. Tell Him. Be transparent. Be authentic. Be honest with Him. The Word says, come boldly to the throne of grace and present our petitions with what? Thanksgiving. Lord God, I need some help today. Thank Him. And then and consider all that He's done for us. Wait a minute. You didn't leave me stranded. You haven't left me stranded. You've been with me. And so I want to thank you. And I'm praying that you help me in this situation. The first word in Philippians 4, 7 says, Then. What does that mean? It means when we come to Him and, and we give Him thanks and we present our petitions to Him, then, once we get our focus off of ourself, uh, once we get our focus off the, the waves and the wind, we can look to Jesus and get peace in the storm. He may remove the storm or He may give us peace to endure the storm. Because sometimes the storm is for us maybe to help us maybe to wash some stuff away maybe to cause us to trust him more maybe to build our faith so philippians 4 7 then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand and i know that many of you know what i'm talking about what the scripture is talking about when you go through a hard time the loss of a family member or a loved one, but yet you have that peace that passes all understanding that we cannot, uh, we cannot comprehend because it is not natural. It is a supernatural peace that God is pouring over us that we can walk in. And that's what Paul is talking about, that we can live in that place, that we can walk in that place through the storms of life. He goes on to write, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So this peace will guard our hearts, will guard our minds, keep us from going off the rails. So my first point is through Christ we have peace with God. Lord, we thank You for this peace that we can have with You. Being brought into right standing. Being made righteous. Because of what Christ has done, being brought into this place of right standing with you, so we have peace with you. Through Christ, we can experience the peace of God. 
That even when the storms are blowing, even when the waves are crashing, we can have peace. And then my third point this morning is Christ is the God of peace. Don't worry. Instead, pray. For the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Tell Him what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. So when we come uh, on Sunday mornings or when, when we're worshiping, Many times I'm thanking God. I'm thanking Him for what He's done. And that's the part of the, the uh, value of worship. When we come together and we begin to just get our mind off ourselves and think about what the Lord has done and is doing and is going to do. That we're no longer slaves to sin. That being reminded that I'm... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm a child of God. I don't have to live in fear. I can walk in freedom. Jesus came to set us free, to liberate us. (laughs) Then we will experience His peace which goes beyond all all of our understanding. Christ will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But wait, there's more, Paul says in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So he's given... All of this information, he's saying, hey, these are the ways that you can walk in peace and you can uh, you know, have the peace of God. And then he says, there's one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He says, fix your mind on those things. That's why I love Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we need to come into that place where we're focusing on the things of God. Where we're looking at things that are lovely and just and pure and righteous. Focus on things that are true. Not on what may be true or what we're telling ourselves that's true based on our emotions, potentially. But think on the things that are true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we can think on things that are true. We can think on Jesus. Focus on things that are honorable. Do Do you ever think about things when you're going through a situation maybe you've got a conflict and and you're just running that that scenario over and over and over in your mind and you may find out that the scenario is really not what happened and so we can worry about it or we can pray and ask the lord to help us even if we don't know what really happened We don't have to stay stuck in that place. So we can focus on the truth and we can think about things that are honorable. Not on the things that are dishonorable to me, to the Lord, or to your spouse, or to your family. But we can think on the things that are honorable. We can focus on the things that are right. Not on the wrong things. Or to be focused on the things that we think we can get by with or whatever. But think on the things that are right. Focus on things that are pure. 
not, not on all the impurity of the world or the appeal of sin and what it presents. Think on the things that are pure. Because we all have impure thoughts come into our mind, right? Right? <laughs> Am I the only one? Right? Okay. So what do we do with those impure thoughts? We can continue to let those thoughts develop and, and go somewhere. Or we can say, no, no. You know what? It's, it's not a sin that those things come into our mind. What's a sin is when we go down that path. And we say, no, I'm, I'm not going to be consumed by those things. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to think on the things that are pure and lovely and right. Um, so we can think on the things that are lovely. Sometimes maybe our relationships would be a little better if we focus on the things that were lovely instead of the things that were unlovely about one another. Because we all have unlovely, unlovely things about us, right? But hopefully we all have some lovely things about us too. So what if we think about that? Oh, you know what? They're always so friendly. They're always so kind. They always have a smile on their face. They always have a positive attitude about things. You know what? We'll trust God, you know? Just pray. And, and, and if you need something, I'll be there with you. Uh, you know, they're always so supportive or whatever that may be. So we can look for the good things in people. And, and, and focus on those things because I think too often we will focus on the negative things. But wait a minute, you know, they're a child of God. If they're a believer, they're a child of God. They're my brother and sister. And so let's, let's be honoring and, and think about the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Admirable qualities. Philippians 4 8 continues, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we can bury those regrets. We can ask for forgiveness and receive the Lord's forgiveness and move on. Because we all have regrets. We've all had regrets. And we can live there. Or we can say, you know, Lord God, I ask Your forgiveness. And I'm moving on. Because I receive your forgiveness. Forgive yourself. You know, sometimes people need to forgive themselves. If God has forgiven you, are you greater than God that you can't forgive yourself? Really? Wow. And, and so we need to be gracious. We need to be forgiving. We need to forgive ourselves sometimes. and We need to forgive others that have hurt us. Have we been hurt? Yeah, everybody's been hurt. But are we going to live there or are we going to forgive them and move on and say, Lord, help me to forgive them? How? How do we do this? We yield to Jesus. <laughs> we, we say, Lord, help, help me. I, I heard uh, a, Pastor Robert Moore say this the other day. He, he was talking about he had this conflict and, and he was, uh, you know, just going over and over and over and over in his mind. And he said, but Lord, they're wrong. And the Lord said, of course they were wrong. You don't forgive people who were right. <laughs> so you know what? If we've been wronged, okay. You know what? We have wronged somebody. And we want grace from them. But are we willing to extend grace to other people? I hope so. Paul continues in Philippians 4.9, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. 
So Paul is saying, look, I've been an example for you. I follow Jesus. We are to demonstrate and to live an example what Jesus taught us. In other words, we are to go out and live it. Live this thing out. Because we have a road map. We have the template. We have His Word that can deal with every situation we face. Okay, it's not in here what happens when you get a virus on your computer. But we're talking about peace. <laughs> when it takes your computer 5.3 seconds to boot up. This thing is so slow. Where's our patience? Where's our peace? Philippians 4.9 continues. He says, Then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace is not another God. Christ is peace. That's, that's part of His character. Christ is peace. Christ is love. Christ is provision. Christ is grace. Let's go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. This is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in which there is no law against these things. You're not going to be thrown in jail for having too much peace. <laughs> so my three points this morning are through Christ, we have peace with God. There's a whole world of people out there that don't know what that's like. They don't have peace with God. They don't have peace with themselves. They don't have peace with anybody around them. But through Christ, we have peace with God. Through Christ, we can experience the peace of God. We can live in peace. We can walk in peace even when the storms come. Christ is the peace. He is the connecting part for us. In, in all, all, the, all the ways that we can walk and live in victory, it's through Christ. It's through this relationship. That's why we talk about it so often. It's about this relationship with Christ. So I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Him. Or maybe you did at one point in time and you've walked away. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Anybody here this morning, there's no shame in that. Shame would be to walk out of this room and not receive. Maybe you're watching online and you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Just pray this prayer. Just say, you're Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I pray for your peace. I pray for your peace that, that goes beyond logic and reasoning and my understanding. I pray for your peace in my, in my life. Lord, I, I pray that you would just forgive me of all my sins. Help me to forgive myself. Help me to forgive others. And I thank you for this new start. I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh new day. And I thank you for saving me. I thank you, Lord, for coming into my heart and into my life. And I receive you now my Lord and Savior. I want to pray one more prayer for you, those that prayed that prayer. Lord God, I pray that your peace would pour into them even right now, Lord God. And that 
your word would come alive as they read the scripture and as they spend time in prayer their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would increase as they would hear your small still voice speaking to their hearts Lord God that you would begin this transformation process that would draw them into a deeper more personal more intimate relationship with you and I really I pray that for all of us Lord God that we would just grow and yield to you and we pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus name we hope today's message encouraged you for more information about our church please visit our website lifefellowship.me We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!